Welcome to the Browns Wire podcast. <laughs> this is Josh Keatley with Adam Moore. Uh, we're getting ready to talk about the Cleveland Browns head coaching job, man. It sounds like they've kind of narrowed it down to two. We've got a lot of viewer que- listener questions about it, so we're going to talk about that. We also got an interesting question coming from our uh, editor, our gracious leader, Jeff Risden, about the potential John Dorsey. Uh, we're going to talk about not just the national championship game, but the FCS championship game as well so we got the fcs championship game the fbs championship game we got opinions on that all four playoff games and we're getting even drop down some xfl news for you okay so last week i went one and three was not my finest week uh honestly i haven't had a good weekend forever i can't remember the last time i won a college bowl game i can't remember <laughs> Adam, how you doing hey i'm doing all right i i went one and oh last week i think i only had one one real bet that i liked in the nfl i liked minnesota and I even we even talked before the game. We were texting. I sent you a text. I said, "Hey, man, I think Minnesota's got a real chance to win this game." And then, hey, turned out I was right on that one. So I felt pretty good. Had two leans that didn't pan out. I liked. I, I leaned New England. I leaned Buffalo. Uh, they both lost. And then I, you know, I leaned with Seattle, which we talked about all the the, the injuries that they had and I, I or what that Philadelphia had. And uh, yeah, I, I, so yeah, not a bad week. Um, College football, you know, I, I I need to look and see where I am with that. I think I went about you know 500 on on the season, but I do have a real strong opinion on this national championship game. We'll get to later. Yeah, I got a pretty good opinion on it too. Everybody should probably just ignore it at this point. Now everybody should just fade <laughs> me. Um, but yeah, I do remember your text about the Vikings. I ignored it promptly. Um, and then continue to put money on the New Orleans Saints. Matter of fact, I knew that, that I knew that game wasn't going to end in my favor when it went to overtime, and my girlfriend locked me out of the house. So I was locked out of the house for the entire overtime period, trying to watch it through my back door. Uh, it was it was such an awkward day. Uh, but we apologize for the delay too. Typically, we record on Tuesdays and release the pod on Thursdays because I edit really slow um, or get it published really slow. Uh, but we're not going to get this one out till Friday and we're recording it on Thursday because Adam made some poor life decisions early on and has 72 children at the age of 25. <laughs> That's right, man. They, uh, they wear me out. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, let's dive into these four NFL games. We're going to go to the NFL games, the college games. Then we're going to dive into some Cleveland Browns news. Um, but let, first off the first game, Minnesota Vikings, they are a seven point dog uh, at San Francisco. I lean Minnesota. I have. I think I'm going to put money on it as well. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo, it's really his first playoffs as a starting quarterback. I know he was there with the Patriots, uh, but he's bound for some hiccups. He hasn't hit those hiccups yet. The Vikings are getting seven points. I bet against the Vikings last week. I'm going to bet on the Vikings this week. The Niners, I feel like, are worse than the Saints. Yeah, no, I think I think the numbers about right at seven. I, I would if I if it were me, I'd make this line uh, San Francisco minus six, so Minnesota plus six. I think I think a, a lean to Minnesota is the correct bet here. And to me, this is all about uh, San Francisco's defense and how they can handle Dalvin Cook and and Kirk Cousins and and Thielen and Diggs. One interesting stat that I found is it states that uh, San Francisco, when they face av- or offenses that are in the top half of the NFL in efficiency. They are giving up on average 26 points per game, so they're not going to be able to give up 26 points per game and cover this spread here. So I, I think the key to this game is San Francisco and their defense and how they're going to play. Absolutely, you know, and, and it's funny too because when I, I love your I love your handicaps, I love your numbers, I trust your handicaps, I trust your numbers. You do much better than me. But when you said, "Yeah, it's all going to be about San Francisco's defense covering," and then you named 72 people, you named the entire roster for the Minnesota Vikings. That's not a good sign. When you that's a lot of different <laughs> areas to cover. They don't just run the ball. Yeah. 
they throw the ball. Uh, the Vikings, they, I shouldn't say they, they don't run they don't run the ball and throw the ball because I know that their passing offense is almost last in the league. But they do have weapons on the outside as well as Davin Cook pounding it. Um, yeah, yeah and, you know, it's seven points, the... a lot of points, man. Seven points yeah, is a lot is. of points. It is. And, you know, getting seven points, is that's a key number. So, it, you know, it's a good number to have to where, you know, if they get beat by a touchdown, which is what it would be expected, getting beat by seven is fairly common. You can get a push in that. So I think that adds, a, you know, some expected value to your bet there. So I, I do like the key number. <clears throat> One thing, you know, we talked about Minnesota's offense that, you know, they played well last week. Kirk Cousins, um, surprisingly enough, it, it played well in a big game, won a, won a playoff game there. Now, I was looking back through the stats. You know, Kevin Stefanski has him as the, you know, he's he's like the fourth, uh, he's mo- fourth most efficient quarterback right now, and he's got uh, he's got he's got the fourth best passer rating in NFL. And he's got the, the fourth best completion percentage in the NFL, and also, uh, you know, Stefanski's got this this Minnesota running game like sixth in the NFL. So this this is a sneaky good Minnesota offense, and I I think we're we're going to foreshadow a little bit to who uh, I really, really like for the Browns uh, head coach search. Now, and I will, I will say before we get, you know, get on our high horses about Minnesota, I like Minnesota. I'm probably going to take Minnesota. I feel like it's a lot of points. Uh, With that said, Last week's game was at one o'clock. Okay, Kirk Cousins. We know about Kirk Cousins' struggles, and not it's not. I mean, you know, I mean, we laugh about it, but it's a it's the reality of the situation, right? And I think it's so common now that it's worked into the line. So I'm not super concerned about it. But check this out. Did you read? Did you hear Steve Fezzik's statistics about Kirk Cousins at one o'clock versus non one o'clock games? I hadn't seen him. I, I knew. I know there's a, a a pretty tremendous trend or spread there, but I'm not sure exactly what it is. It's huge. Kirk Cousins covers basically sixty. I think it's like sixty-five to seventy percent of his games that he plays at one o'clock. So he is the be- he is one of the best quarterbacks in the past twenty-five years at against the spread at one o'clock games. All games that are not starting at one o'clock, he is like the he is the would be the worst active quarterback against the spread because he only wins like twenty-five <laughs> to thirty percent. Okay, so that, it, I was incredible. I was blown away. I can't remember the exact numbers. If someone wants to go back and look at what Fezzik had, Steve Fezzik had to say, he's got it. But yeah, when I saw that, my mind was blown. I was like, whoa! I really should probably really double think about this Minnesota Vikings bet. But I, I just want to throw that out there. It seems like a, such a trivial trend. But these numbers are so staggering, and it's been the truth mm-hmm. for so long. We have such a long resume with Kirk Cousins. It's no longer. I don't feel like it's it's it's. I don't feel like it's an insignificant trend at this point. Yeah. No, it, it it's definitely not. It kind of, it really breaks my heart because it you know it kind of gives me like PTSD flashbacks of Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati Bengals in primetime games or uh, mm-hmm. games in the playoffs where he just kind of you know you just disappear. He'd play really well uh, throughout the regular season, but anytime it was a Thursday, Sunday, or Monday night game, he just absolutely you know collapsed. It's definitely something to monitor. There's definitely a. Uh... People definitely do choke in the limelight. This is just a fact. It's hard to factor in, but with guys like Kirk Cousins, when it's that stark, you kind of have to pay attention to it. The second game is the AFC game. The Tennessee Titans are getting nine points from the Baltimore Ravens at Baltimore. Again, dude, we look at this huge spread. I'm taking Tennessee. Um, dude, it's all about, we, we talked about the, we talked about the Baltimore Ravens twice this year, right? Cause the Browns have played them twice. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's all about time of possession. Now, if you look at the Titans time of possession, as far as season long goes, they don't rank very highly. I think that they rank right in the middle of the pack. Okay. But it's not, a, I'm not looking at what they've done or their statistics. I'm looking at, okay, they're in the playoffs. They're playing the Ravens. What are they going to try to do? And do they have the horses to do that? With Derrick Henry hammering the ball and Ryan Tannehill playing as a great distributor and A.J. Brown playing a very solid receiver, both of those, A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill are kind of, you know, the, 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 
sidekicks to the, the time of possession bull that is Derrick Henry. So with that said, I'm getting nine points, and they're kind of riding some hot momentum against uh, New England. Give it to me, baby. Yeah, they're definitely they're definitely if not the one of the most uh, you know hot the hottest team in the NFL. And, and you're right, Derrick Henry has been electric. Uh, six of his last eight games, he's exceeded 150 yards rushing. And, and and quite honestly, that's if there's a weakness that uh, the Baltimore Ravens have is it's against uh, you know opposing rush attacks. So they rank 21st in DVOA against the run. That's where that's where Tennessee has has to win this game uh, is through sustaining the run and, and really putting together drives. Uh, one thing that, that does concern me: Mark Ingram hasn't practiced yet this week. That could be a big key to this game. I know they got Justice Hill and Gus Edwards in the backfield, but I, I think Mark Ever- Mark, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Mark Ingram is a difference maker in the backfield. So we'll see, how, you know, if he does play and if he does how well, you know, how um, how healthy he is. Another thing to this game, Tennessee is allowed the third most touchdowns to opposing tight ends. So this could be a big game for Mark Andrews and the rest of those Baltimore tight ends. And uh, with, you know, with all that said, I, I think the I think Baltimore is the right side here. I make them about ten and a half points better. Than Tennessee, Are you kidding so yeah, me? A, a slight lean for me, yeah. Are you kidding me? There's nine points in a playoff team off a team that just beat the New England goddamn Patriots, and you're <laughs> taking the Baltimore Ravens. You know how shocked I am by that. I'm blown yeah, away I, that you're saying that. But okay, you you, I, you said a lot. Yeah. You said a lot. So let's let's break it down. Okay, you talked about Mark Ingram. I heard that Mark Ingram is going to play. I feel like you also, even though he's not playing, you feel confident Mark Ingram is going to play. Correct. I think he'll play, but you know how healthy he is it will be. You know what we need to monitor. Okay, so here here's my thinking. I'm thinking that he's going to be closer to 100 percent than the concerns need to be, right? Because I think it is the playoffs, so they are trying to not make sure that it's worse. If it was the regular season, I would be more concerned. Do you think that that's a fair statement, or do you think that? I mean, where where do you see him on the spectrum? Do you see him closer to 100 percent or 75 percent? Because I see him closer to 100. What are you hearing? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm. He hasn't practiced, so that that concerns me a little bit. I think, and I think they thought he was going to practice by the middle of this week, and he still hasn't. So that, to me, would lead me to believe that he's maybe more closer. He's closer to seventy five percent than a hundred, but still, you know, it, Baltimore has running backs behind him that can get the job done. I really like Gus Edwards. I like Justice Hill a lot. Um, so I, I still think they're going to be able to be effective running running the football. This week against Tennessee, and I, and I like, I, Tennessee doesn't do doesn't do anything like phenomenal. They're just really solid across the board, and I think I think Baltimore's going to be out, it's going to outmatch them uh, in most positions this week. That I think that's very interesting. I do like Justice Hill as well. Justice Hill is a rookie out of Oklahoma State. I believe, believe he was drafted in the fourth round. Um, I, I do think he's a solid running back. With that said, I do think Mark Ingram is a different level of a running back. So to me, I think that that is a bit of a ding. Uh, but like I said, not really, because I, I do believe that Mark Ingram is closer to 100% than we want to be. You briefly mentioned Hayden Hurst um, in the ten- Tennessee season. Not, I'm sorry, not Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst is the Andrews. first round draft pick that the Ravens had. Uh, well, he plays. So, yeah, it's, I mean, well, he, he's, Mark Andrews, he's, it's Hayden Hurst. And- right, but Hay- Hayden Hurst, let's, let's be real. I, I want to make sure that every time I say Hayden Hurst's name – I let everybody know that when Hayden Hurst was drafted before Lamar Jackson, <laughs> the Ra- Baltimore Ravens also drafted Mark Andrews in that same exact draft, and Mark Andrews now plays more than Hayden Hurst. So yeah. I, all, I want to every time I talk about Hayden Hurst, I want to remind everyone how stupid that pick was. But Mark Andrews, you mentioned Mark Andrews, and uh, we all know how great of a tight end he is, and Tennessee's ineffective apparently against the tight end. I, this is news to me. Mm-hmm. So all right, is this a prop bet you're paying attention to at all? 
No, not no, not necessarily because I do think Baltimore they do spread the ball around to their tight ends, so it's not something that I think you can absolutely rely on those um, those those targets going to Mark Andrews. But I think you can rely on those targets going to the tight end, tight end position as a whole. But uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to be putting any prop bets on it. Okay, so to to recap, I lean Tennessee getting nine points, and you lean Baltimore. Now mm-hmm. you lean Baltimore just to recap because they have a running back. That might be hurt. And they have a that, tight end that's good, and Tennessee struggles against guarding the tight end, but you yeah. don't have the balls to bet on the tight end prop bet. I just want to no. re- recap. Is that right? Is that correct? That's correct. And I also have okay. NFL's MVP and Lamar Jackson. So, and it's, it's only a lean for did, me. Did, I'm probably not going to be putting any money on it. Did that <clears> come no, out already? Did I miss that? Got, he's, no, but he's got to be. He's oh, so be. you're assuming. You know, how, you know what happens I'm when assuming. you assume when it comes to gambling? I'll be right. That's what will happen. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. The next game, the Houston Texans are nine and a half point dogs to Kansas City. Dude, I went to favorites all last week, and I'm, I looked at these spreads, and every I'm taking every single underdog. I'm going to be honest with you. I heard <laughs> Houston get nine and a half. Dude, that spread is huge. That That is – that's really my only handicap. It's a very square handicap, but – Dude, you're giving Deshaun Watson nine and a half points in a do-or-die matchup. You saw with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, first of all, Bill O'Brien is not a bad coach, okay? Bill O'Brien gets a lot of crap. We may disagree. Huh? We may disagree, but we can save that for another podcast. When you look at his resume, he's he's won won the division three or four times since being at Houston. Houston's always had a bad offensive line. He's always gotten the best out of the offensive line that he's had. And Deshaun Watson pulls some rabbits out of his hat. So even if Bill O'Brien is a bad coach, which I still disagree with, Deshaun Watson is still – he puts the team on – he has moments where he puts the team on his back. And I would never, ever, ever – I mean, that's a lot of points. That's just a lot of points. That is a lot of points. And I agree with you, Deshaun Watson. We talked, I don't know, maybe two months ago – Right before he got beat by double digits or by more than a touchdown, we yeah. talked about how that crazy stat with Deshaun Watson where he hadn't been beat by more than seven points since he was in high school. So that's yeah. just that speaks to the type of player and competitor he is. He's just he's he has the ability to put a team on his back and go out and compete and bring you know, get you know, put their his team in a position to win uh, each and every single week. I think this number's right. Honestly, I would make it Kansas City minus ten. No bet for me. But uh, you I think, think, I think it's City. really I mean the slightest, the absolute, wow. very, very slightest. So, uh, and I, you know, I, like I said, I'm not putting any money on this game. I, I think the spread's too close to being right. So I, I think it's really a coin flip of how it plays out. A couple of interesting notes here. Uh, went and looked. Andy Reid's offense has faced Bill O'Brien and uh, Romeo Cornell's defense five times. They're three and two in those matchups. And the two losses, Kansas City turned the ball over five times. So this may be a, a you know a key factor. Of this game is whether or not Kansas City can take care of the football. Also, Houston ranks 26 in pass efficiency defense. So this is really a spot where Patrick Mahomes can light it up here with Tyreek Hill and and Travis Kelsey. In the six games that Kansas City has played versus bottom 12 pass efficiency defense, they've they average over 30 points a game. So this could be a spot where Kansas City really puts up some points, where it could turn like into like a 31-20 type of type of type of ball game here uh houston's starting safety to sean gibson has also been placed on ir he won't play this week uh yeah, first of all i i let, let's uh, again a lot of a lot of information so let's what, what's the what's the total on this game do you know do you have that off the top of your head yeah it's uh 50 and a half my model make it makes it 51 okay so uh, I'm, I'm sorry you cut out there but what is the total again on vegas it's 50 and a half 
15 and a half. And you, you, so you said it could be really high scoring, but again, your model only has 51. Are you taking the over or is that too close to call or no, that's too close to call? But I, so I guess my, my expectation for this game is for it to be like 31 to 20 or 30 okay. to 20, somewhere in that range. So I, I expect pretty much exactly what Vegas expects here. Okay. So what, what's your, what's your problem? Bill O'Brien, I, you, you scoffed a little bit when I said Bill O'Brien was not that bad of a coach. What's going on with that? I mean, you, you said he's won the division there, you know, multiple times, the AFC multiple sucks. times. And the AFC no one South ever sucks. To do it. When Andrew Luck that you was can't, playing, you, see, you it, can't do it that. Was always... you... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, and you, you mentioned it. It's Deshaun Watson. I, I like Deshaun Watson way more. Oh, he has back a, up, back up, back up, back. back up, back up. Okay. So, so you said the AFC South sucks. I don't care if it does suck. They still win it. Right. So that point so, is so, not so valid. If they, if they go eight and eight and win the AFC South, now Bill O'Brien's amazing coach. Well, I, if, if that was, if it was, if you were writing your resume, what would you put? <laughs> right. Well, that's I'm, I'm writing saying, my resume. That's great, but yeah, you can't I, take that away. And then you, you mentioned standard. you mentioned Andrew Luck. I mean, Andrew Luck played last year, dude. Andrew Luck played last year. Houston still took the AFC South title. I'm just saying that dude. Here, here's the problem. Everybody is wanting Bill Belichick to be their head coach, right? There's, there's, uh, if we look at, it, there's really only eight good head coaches. The the rest of it is filled with a bunch of average and then the bottom of the crop booty, but the bottom booty. Okay. It's just like when people talk crap about Jason Garrett, Oh man, Jason Garrett sucked. Jason Garrett sucked. Jason Garrett sucked. Jason Garrett took the Dallas Cowboys to the playoffs. Pretty much. I don't know what 75% of the seasons he was there with an old man who doesn't know what he's doing, breathing down his neck. Oh, and by the way, his son was also breathing down his neck. Maybe we should lay off and give that guy a little bit more goddamn credit. Hugh Jackson (laughs) or not Hugh Jackson. Marvin Lewis gets a lot of crap because he went eight and eight with, you know, he never went past the first round of the playoffs with the Cincinnati Bengals. Dude, the Cincinnati Bengals don't have an indoor practice facility. He took the Cincinnati Bengals to the playoffs and he doesn't have an indoor practice facility and no scouting. That I mean, that feels like I. I'm not saying he's good, just, but it feels you're like ripping my heart out here. I, I'm just saying, like we, we I've talk about these about guys. That. The Cincinnati's, yeah, Cincinnati's the northernmost team without a practice indoor practice facility. Just boggles my mind. There's like no, my no, 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 no. Win. I don't understand. I don't understand. Well, they're the only team in the NFL without a practice facility, without indoor practice facility. Even, oh even God. the, even like the Jaguar, even all the southern teams have indoor practice facilities. Dude, the Bengals are the only NFL team without an indoor practice facility. I think they have like like a little like like a barn that has like half the field. I think it's like a fifth. It's like a fifty yard area where they go next to the stadium, yeah. but it's not a real thing. And they don't have the scouting department too. So Marvin Lewis yeah, is doing all the scouting. And I'm not yeah. saying these guys are good coaches, but dude, there's a huge there's a huge gap between Jason Garrett, Marvin Lewis, and then <laughs> Hugh Jackson, right? Yep, absolutely. that's all. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And people talk about those guys in the same conversation. And I just feel like there's a gap that we're not respecting. And I feel like Bill O'Brien is probably he's above Jason Garrett. He's above Marvin Lewis, but he's not he's not in he's not at the Bill Belichick level, but he's not in the booty crowd. You know, he's he's somewhere in the middle. And I feel like he gets crapped on a little bit. He's thrown in the booty crowd and he shouldn't be. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it plays out. What we can keep talking about <laughs> it. Let's let's uh let's talk about the uh, Seahawks and Packers. All right, okay, so the Seahawks are getting four points at Green Bay. Um, 
I, I again, I'm going to go with the underdog. You're giving me four points. You're giving me Seattle. Uh, the Seahawks did not really impress me last game, but they did come away with the victory. Here's the big difference. I think Green Bay has a very terrible run defense, but they have really good pass rushers. Okay, well, Will Russell Wilson is really, really good at neutralizing pass rushers, and he can extend plays away from the pass rush. So if that's your big defensive strength, and that's really, really Green Bay's only defensive strength, because like I said, they've struggled against the run. I'm going to go with Seattle, especially getting the four points. Yeah, this will be the only game I bet on this week, and, and I think Seattle's the absolute right play. I would make this line Seattle plus one and a half instead of plus four. So if, if, you're, if wow. you're counting from home, that, that would mean my pure power model rankings. I actually think Seattle's a better team than Green Bay. I think I think this Green Bay team is one of the worst uh, two seeds in, in playoff history. has to be. Well, now – I, I think I think that, that that's a that's a fair argument, but also let's explain your power rankings a little bit better or a little bit more too, because you're saying, okay, so your model has Seattle. Well, let, let's go back. So the spread is Seattle's a four point dog. Okay, well Green Bay mm-hmm. has a top five strongest home field advantage, wouldn't you say? Yeah, so they're probably getting three and a half to four points home field advantage. So Vegas is probably saying these teams are pretty close to being equal. Green Bay's okay. maybe be slightly better but i would say seattle's the better team here by a point point and a half and the the three to three and a half point um you know home field advantage would would make this line about one and a half uh so i think seattle is the good is the right play okay i i and i completely agree with you i completely agree with you and you think that you had you said you think green bay is the worst the worst two seed you've ever seen is that what you just said yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't done the research, but I it, it feels that way. I just, I just don't feel like Green Bay's any good, and I feel like they really lucked into this, this first round bye. You know, I would never, I would never say that. I think that, I think that Green Bay has far exceeded their talent level. When I look at their roster from top to bottom, I'm not thoroughly impressed. I think that the ba- the Browns are more talented, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I do think that their coach has done a great job, uh, but I would never say, you know, they won their division. They did all all the right things, so I'm never going to say they don't deserve it or, or they're bad. They still scare me. But with that said, there's a lot of statistics that do agree with you and your point. Um, the yeah. Packers have had a little bit of a, a collapse as far as, I mean, time of possession, offensive yardage, yards per play. Right, I believe mm-hmm. that they, I think they're the only. I mean, there, there's a lot of statistics that that go with what you're saying. But either way, we're on the same page there with Seattle. Is that the only game we're taking the same side on? Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, I think uh, I like I like I lean Minnesota as well. You like oh, Minnesota, you did. But, uh, oh, okay. for the two big the two uh, the two big numbers. I like the favorite. You like the underdog, but the two smaller numbers. I like the underdog. Interesting. All right, moving on to college, dude. Uh, so obviously we're going to get to Clemson LSU. Obviously you want to talk about Clemson LSU, but I'm going over the spreads. I'm looking over the odds. And another, and a game crosses my eyes that I had to take a peek at. I don't watch a whole lot of 1AA football. I usually reserve the 1AA football. As you know, I try to do a lot of scouting after the season. I usually reserve that after the season, uh, but I couldn't help myself. James Madison is a one-and-a-half-point favorite over North Dakota State. North Dakota State is 7-0 and in national championships, dude. North Dakota State has won the national championship in Division I AA as long as I can remember. This is the school that brought us Carson Wentz, Easton Sticks. They got they got an outside linebacker that's – I'm sorry, Easton Stick. Jeez, I, I don't know why I pluralized that. Uh, they got a linebacker right now that I thought is kind of comparable to A.J. Hawk and Jabril Cox. I mean, it's a very competitive defense. They got a quarterback that can move. They're getting a point and a half. The team that always wins it is getting a point and a half. Sign me up. Is that a game that you looked at at all? I I um I have no opinion on this, so <laughs> this is all you. I, I 
promise me, promise me that you will glance at it and at least tweet about it before Saturday. Because I really, I think that I am on the right side of this. I'm going to put money on it. But I, I was shocked to know that the team that was seven and zero in national championships is actually getting points. Moving on. All right, last we talked about before the technical difficulty uh, was the FCS game. Uh, so we're going to move on to the FBS game. Clemson is a six-point underdog to LSU. Adam, let me get your thoughts on it first, man, because I, I think we're going to be on the same page, but I just want to confirm before I start running my mouth. Yeah, I think so, too. We we talked a little bit about it last week, We or maybe it would have been two weeks ago now before the Ohio State-Clemson game. We said whoever wins that game we think is going to win the national championship, and that I haven't changed my opinion on that. I think I'm a, I'm a strong believer in Clemson. I think they're going to win by a touchdown. So let me get this straight. Okay, I agree with you 100%, okay? So you're saying that we had an opinion before the Clemson-Ohio State game. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened. Not, we, now, that, that podcast was be- before the LSU game or against Oklahoma and before mm-hmm. the Clemson-Ohio State game. Nothing that happened in those two games has swayed your opinion at all. No, not at all. It, you know, if anything, I, I'm more of a believer in Clemson than I was before. Obviously, they're super talented. you got probably the best core. Ah, I don't know. Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence are probably – Probably equal, or, or Trevor Lawrence maybe had a slight nod as far as quarterbacks go. But I think I think Clemson's by far the more talented roster, and I think it's going to show here on Monday night. I think LSU's defense is not as good as it's advertised to be. We've seen that throughout the year, giving up forty plus points to to Auburn and Alabama, and Oklahoma's and just not that Texas. good. And who else? In Texas. In Texas. And, yeah. te- and Texas. Texas. Texas is <laughs> too well. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, you know. Oklahoma's not very good, and so I'm not I'm not putting much weight in that blowout. We've seen that happen before, specifically back in 2015 when Oregon blew out a team in the semifinals, and then came and got their got the doors blown off of them by Ohio State in the national final. So I don't think just because LSU played the played the you know played played with the lights out uh, against Oklahoma means much going into this game. I think Clemson's the right side. So I, I 100% agree with everything you're saying. Um, I, I, the reason I made a point of saying that, okay, hey, something happened. We had we had an opinion. We had a predictive opinion. Two games happen, and the opinion doesn't change. Now let's let's evaluate that LSU Oklahoma loss or oh, the LSU went over Oklahoma. The spread was 14, 15, 16 points in some books. Okay, the fact that they won by three touchdowns. That's kind of there was between two touchdowns and three touchdowns was the spread. So we shouldn't be shocked by a blowout. Both of you and I. Well, actually, I think you you talked about you let lean towards Oklahoma because of the massive spread. I bet on LSU, okay. So I moved them up a notch. Let's say I had a power ranking system, which I do not. That would move LSU maybe up a notch, okay. But Clemson also beat Ohio State. They beat the spread handedly against Ohio State. Ohio State was in the red zone three, four times and couldn't get anything more than a field goal. That to me moves Clemson up just as much as LSU. Before that game took place, the spread, and this is not just you and I talking, although we agree with it, the consensus was that Clemson would be favored over LSU by two and a half points, right? I'm not making those numbers up. Those are numbers no, you're that not. Right. That we, we, that's, those aren't just numbers that we discussed either. Those were numbers that we were getting from, uh, you know, guys, guys like RJ Bell at pregame.com, correct? That's correct. So, and there's no, nothing happened to move that line eight points. Nothing. So that's what I'm saying. So I think what we're seeing here is a classic overreaction. We see it a lot in the NFL. You see it every now and again in college midseason when you see a team. I remember when Deshaun Kaiser and Notre Dame took down Texas, and then you kind of could ride the high of betting against Notre Dame because the spread would, you know, you got that overreaction. Uh, I think that a lot of people are overreacting to LSU beating Oklahoma, who really was the odd man out of that playoffs. I'm never going to say Oklahoma was bad because Oklahoma was good. Um, 
but I do think that they were the odd man out. There was never a shred of doubt in my mind that LSU was going to pound them into the dirt. I think that the I I don't I think a lot of the overreaction comes from people thinking there's a huge difference between winning by six touchdowns and winning by three touchdowns. I don't think that there is a huge difference there. And I think that you would agree with me too when when doing your numbers and going mm-hmm. through, especially in college, a lot of times you cut those off after they, they take a two touchdown lead because people typically take their foot off the gas, right? Yep. So I, I, I'm with you. If you're giving me – and now remember, too, Clemson, I, and we talked about this earlier. Clemson has been – this will be the first time all year Clemson has been an underdog. Clemson won the national championship last year. They were undefeated last year. They brought back Trevor Lawrence, T. Higgins, Travis Etienne, A.J. Terrell um, on the defensive backfield, Isaiah Simmons, and a linebacker. They went undefeated again. They were very good, despite their struggles with North Carolina and a couple other games here and there. They beat; they're like third in the country ATS record. LSU's not. LSU's not in the same ballpark as them, despite the premium that you're paying on Clemson. So it's shocking to me to see a team that's won twenty twenty nine or straight be a touch, yeah, be a touchdown underdog. I'm taking the points in Clemson all day, and I agree with 100 percent with what you're saying. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, give me the points. I think Clemson wins this game. Yeah, and and I and I know you're talking about Trevor Lawrence and and Joe Burrow being in the same ballpark. I don't think they're in the same ballpark. I I mean we, we you I I like Joe Burrow. You know he's the Buckeye. I'm always gonna I'm always gonna think he's a Buckeye. But dude, Trevor Lawrence is better. He just See, I'm Trevor just, Lawrence is I'm just, on my side. I'm just praying to God that Joe Burrow is the answer because I know Cincinnati's gonna take him or I <laughs> they, they should take him. So. <laughs> Well, that's a, that's a conversation I'm, for another yeah. day. I think that Joe Burrow is a very good quarterback. I just yeah. think that I give the edge to Trevor Lawrence. And if let's say I, think, I would, I would too. Let's say they're all equal parts. If you're saying it's all in the coaching, dude, I'm giving it to Dabo every oh, yeah. goddamn time. That's just how it goes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love Coach O just as much as anybody else. But you're right, Dabo's a, Dabo's up, you know, a top breed. two coach. Yeah, absolutely. Different breed. So I, we're on the same page there. Uh, you know, I, and I'm not, I'm not hearing that as a consensus. I'm seeing a, a lot of money. I'm hearing a lot of people take LSU. I haven't heard a lot, many Sharps opinions on it. I've been really busy this week, so I haven't listened to a whole lot of podcasts or been on Twitter too much. Uh, I would be willing to say that a lot of the Sharps are going to be on Clemson, but I know a lot of, there's a lot of public money, a lot of public thought on LSU, and I completely yeah. disagree. I think it's a classic overreaction. Um, Moving on to the guest questions, though, we got a couple. Let's start out with the, our, our leader, uh, Jeff Risden, uh, offered up a good question on Facebook. I, you know, I don't really, I, I kind of think he was being sarcastic, but I want to kind of evaluate it anyways because when John Dorsey got hired by the Cleveland Browns, it was a big deal. It was viewed as a really good hire. The guy took a year off. He did transform Kansas City. Kansas City yeah. was very good under his realm. Now it depends on who you want to give credit to, whether it be him or Andy Reid. You know, he is deserved of some credit. Depends on how much you want to give him. He was credited when he was in green when he was working in Green Bay, not in the GM capacity, uh, but in a lesser capacity. He was credited with drafting, with pulling the trigger, being one of the guys that pulled the trigger on Aaron Rodgers, Clay Matthews, Greg Jennings. Now, Aaron Rodgers, uh, he, you know. Aaron Rodgers and Clay Matthews are first-round draft picks, so I think everybody kind of knew how good they were going to be. But if you remember, Aaron Rodgers came from the Jeff Tedford system. So that was the same system that brought up at busts like Joey Harrington and Akili Smith. So it did take a couple, it did take some balls to take that guy. Clay Matthews was viewed a little bit as a tweener between defensive end and outside linebacker. So it did take some balls. And drafting a wide receiver for the Mid-American Conference and Greg Jennings in the second round also takes a ball. So I do credit him. Uh, in Kansas City, he found guys like Derek Johnson and Jamal uh, 
Charles. Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles. Thank Charles. You. Yeah. Yeah. So. I have to. I just have to cross off all my notes here because you just hammered all the guys I wanted to hit on with John Dorsey. And say what you want about John Dorsey as a general manager, he's a he's a good, if not great, talent evaluator. Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to use the word the word great because his last draft was pretty pathetic, right? We talked about that he did draft Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, but those guys are hard to miss, right? Those two top two picks in the top five, right? He missed he missed on Corbett. Um, he did hit on Nick Chubb. I will give him credit yeah. on Nick Chubb. I'll even give him credit on Greedy Williams because it took a lot of balls to, you know, take Greedy Williams, have faith that he was going to fall, not trade up and take him in the second round. So I'll give him credit there as well. Greedy Williams did have a very good uh, beginning of the season, but I don't want to. Let's not say he's great, but he's a, he's at least he's at least good, right? Yeah. He had a little bit of hype. His his problem was always been his mismanagement of money. He runs the salary cap like I run my wallet. If he has a dollar, <laughs> he's gonna spend it. Like, let's be real. That's what he was. That's what he is. And at the end of the, that's what he got him canned in Kansas City. He couldn't. Yep. He, you know, he he went out. He found Jamal Charles. He, he found Derek Johnson. But when it came to signing those guys, the big extensions, they were either making way too much money or he had to cut them, get rid of them. And he, he's kind of put Cleveland in the same way. I mean, we got a lot of money invested in two wide receivers in OBJ and Jarvis Landry. Baker Mayfield's window's closing. You know, he couldn't get a deal done with Joe Schobert. So there are some questions on how his money management is. With that said, gun to my head, I don't think he gets another job as a GM. But I don't think it would be insane for him to get another job as a GM. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I... – I agree with you, and I also disagree with you. So I agree with you that I do not think he gets another job as a GM, I, and I don't think he—I don't think he has a realistic shot to to get another GM. I mean, another GM position. We we've seen him twice now be removed from that position, and and all and for the reasons you said, the poor salary cap management and also uh, poor management style in general. Uh, both yeah. in Kansas City and Cleveland were reasons why he was was let go. Again, he, he right. has you know, the ability to, to bring got- bring talent in, but. You know, as far as like roster construction, if you look back, you know, there's a lot of lot of talent on the Cleveland roster this year, but there's also a lot of holes, and those yeah. holes proved to be too much this season uh, to overcome. Yeah, and those holes were like I I think you're going there. Were kind of caused by him, right? He traded Zeitler um, as a part of that trade to get OBJ and Vernon. Now that yeah. trade, I do still stand by that trade, but he did sacrifice something to gain something, uh, and that needs to be noted as a huge weakness in, in Cleveland. Uh, you know, you talked about him being professional. Remember, he cut. He cut. He, there was there was disdain for him in Kansas City because he cut Jerry Macklin. By text, do you remember that whole? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, that was a thing. So there are some rumbling, you know that that still sticks out there. You can't do that kind of stuff. So I don't think he was a terrible GM. I think I kind of compared him to LeBron James a little bit. Like he he'll come in there, he'll he'll make a splash, he'll bring in talent. But after three years, you're gonna look around. It's gonna be like Armageddon in that locker room. You're gonna have Kevin Love throwing basketballs at 22 year olds. Like it's just, it's not. <laughs> you, you're, you're gonna look around and be like, "What did I do? Who did I give yeah. this to?" And it might not right. be worth it. I don't think he gets yeah. another job, but I do. Think I, I still stand by him being a good hire. Yeah, there, I mean, there's 30, 30 teams out there that haven't had haven't had him as a GM, and I just don't. You know, after you've lost two of those 32 jobs, I don't think you get another chance. Yeah, I mean, guys have done it before. I don't think, like I said, I don't think it'd be insane. It's just he really, he really sucked. He really screwed up the Cleveland thing because he built something special and he hired Freddie Kitchens. He messed up. He yeah, messed he- up, and he had too much pride to to. Re- That's always been his issues. He's got too much pride to change his ways. 
He's always mm-hmm. done. He did not learn from anything. Well, I think one of the reasons why we see Bill Bel- Bel- we see a lot of reach retreads like Bill Belichick from Cleveland and Baltimore to New England, or Pete Carroll from the Jets to USC to Seattle, is those guys are willing to change their ways. I don't think he changed his way at all from Kansas City to Cleveland. He just goes by the the seat of his pants. And I think that that's a huge issue. That's his problem. Now, if he can go back and prove himself and prove that he's made changes to his style, maybe it involve a little bit more, you know, analytics to the way he does things, he might get another chance. But I don't think I don't see that happen. That doesn't seem like his style. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, moving on to the next thing, we had another question. Someone was asking for XFL training camp hints. I love talking about the XFL, and I love the fact that someone hit me up about that. And I love the fact that people are hitting me up about it. Please, please send me your XFL stuff, and I will try to answer the best I can. I'm not at any at any training camps. I don't know anybody. I don't really have any connects within the XFL. Uh, I have a couple dudes here and there, but no one's at any training camps. Um, we're getting we're only getting bits and pieces of the news. I know that they, they released the rules a couple days ago. They released the, the jerseys a couple days before that. I know Eric Dungy got signed by the Dallas Renegades. But I did take a, a little bit of a dive into looking at the futures for the XFL and tried to find a little bit of a sleeper pick. I know that you said you haven't had a whole lot of time to dive into that league, and that's perfectly fine. But I'm sure everybody's eagerly waiting for you to come up with something. Uh, but let me know how you think how you think that this fits so far. Uh, a team that I like, and this is 100%. This started out 100% bias. Okay, I was following the Ohio State train. The DC Defenders got Cardell Jones. Doran Grant, and I think they got Chase Ferris. They're the the XFL team with the most Ohio State Buckeyes. So that's how this little search started, okay? I got to be open and honest. But after digging deeper, this is a really good team. I think they're really set up well. They have the sixth highest. There's only eight teams, and they have the sixth highest odds, okay? So they're plus 800. So if they win it all, that's a pretty solid little price tag, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so the head coach for the D.C. Defenders is, do you know who it is? I do not. It's Pep Hamilton. Pep Hamilton, a lot of Browns fans will be extremely familiar with him as during his time as a quarterback's coach here. Uh, he was uh, Harbaugh's right-hand man at Stanford. Yeah, Stanford, right? At, yes, and then he was also at Michigan when Michigan was terrible a couple of years. He runs a very downfield offense. He's, he, he's a very good coach. I think that's a very good get for the XFL. He's their head coach. Now, their quarterback, their first pick in the draft – was Cardale Jones. <laughs> now, Cardale Jones has one of the strongest arms in the world. I don't think anybody would doubt that. That's not that's not why he why he failed in the NFL. He failed in the NFL for other reasons, right? But he no yeah. one can doubt he has a strong arm, right? So you got Cardale Jones, you got a giant arm, you got Pep Hamilton. They're wide receivers. Check out these wide receivers. Eli Rogers, okay, who was the underneath slot guy for the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Steelers, Indianapolis Colts. He kind of bounced around the league from Mississippi. Then he's got Trey McBride and DeAndre uh, Tompkins. Trey McBride and DeAndre Hopkins both ran the four threes at the combine. That's they pretty got fast. Two- <laughs> pretty fast, pretty fast. Trey, Trey McBride was a, was a guy that wide receiver drafted out of William and Mary. He didn't really make it because he was a very raw okay. player, but he's I think he's he's about six two and runs a four three. Four three is fast in the NFL. I can only imagine what it's going to be in the XFL. DeAndre Tompkins, uh, I don't really, I can't really remember a lot about him in the NFL. I do know that he ran, he all, like I said, he ran in the four threes. That's that's their wide receiver core. Their running backs, Jarrell Presley and Donnell uh, Donnell Pumphrey. 
Gerald Presley is kind of an underrated guy. Went to New Mexico. He broke a lot of school records for New Mexico. Didn't really do much in the pros. But that he and he's going to be the starter. The other running back, Donald Pumphrey, everybody should remember him. You remember him, right, with the Philadelphia Eagles. He yeah. has the NCAA rushing record, correct? Where, uh, where is he? Louisiana or something? San Diego State. San Diego State. Okay. San Diego State, yes. Yes. And then let's look at their defense. Let's look, let's look at bits and pieces of their defense. Scooby Wright. All Browns fans will be familiar with Scooby Wright. Scooby Wright was a very active linebacker, got hurt during his last year at Arizona, fell to like the sixth, seventh round, couldn't really get, didn't have the athleticism to stick in the NFL, but he might have the athleticism to stick in the XFL. Let's look at this third level. Their safeties, Matt Elam and Raheem Moore. Elam was a first round draft pick from Florida, got in some off field trouble, bounced around the league. End up leaving the Ravens, CFL, blah, 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 blah. And then Raheem Moore was a second-round pick at UCLA, also spent some time in Cleveland. So these are all either high draft picks, high athleticism guys, or guys that have a whole lot of records in college. I just named five guys. This is the XFL, dude. This is the XFL I'm talking about, bro. Tell me that that doesn't sound like a pretty winning roster. <clears throat> yeah, no, if you, I mean, especially those running backs I remember from, uh, from the days of college football, Daily Fantasy, like four or five years ago. So. Yes. I, I couldn't remember which uh, small school uh, Pumph- or, yeah, Humphreys went to, but, uh, yeah, thanks for reminding me on that one. Yeah, yeah, so I think it's a very interesting roster. Now, the <clears throat> XFL favorite, I do want to be transparent, is the Dallas Renegades. Again, I'm not diving into the XFL every day. We're still in the midst of the NFL season. College football's not over. we got the East West Sharing game coming up, the Senior Bowl coming up. So my, I do not have 100% focus on the XFL. So this is just kind of a shot in the dark. But I do feel like the sixth favorite, that's, I mean, that's a huge underdog story, and that's a lot of talent in the roster. I mean, the Dallas Renegades are the favorite, and there's I don't really see why they're favorited so high over the D.C. defenders. I know that they have uh, Landry Jones, who's a bigger name. Maybe that's some of it. I know that they just signed Eric Dungy, but I don't think there's a whole lot of name recognition with him, so I'm not really sure why people would be excited about that. I know they have Cameron Artis-Payne, who started for the Panthers, but that's not – I mean, is he really better than Jarrell Presley and Donald Pomfrey? I mean, not really. And then their best mm-hmm. wide receiver is Jeff uh, Bidette, who was the little short slot receiver from Oklahoma, who also ran in the four threes, but is my height. So I don't really know exactly why one team. I think it has something to do with Stoops being the head coach, too. Stoops is the head coach of Dallas, but I don't really know why what's going on there. But I, I feel like I might put some money in the D.C. Uh, defenders. Hey, it'll be fun to dig into it when we get when we get there. But right now, I have I have no opinion on anything. So do not hit me up on Twitter and ask me questions about the XFL because I won't have an answer for you. You're gonna ha- you're gonna have to get there. The season kicks off in February. <laughs> There's a little bit of hype around it. We're we're gonna we're we're gonna get you there. We're gonna get you All there, right. and Adam's gonna give you his picks. Moving on, the most important question of the day is the Browns pretty much got it narrowed down to two coaches, right? And uh, we got we got we got asked who's our favorite between Kevin Stefanski and Josh McDaniels. I feel like you're a little bit more passionate about this than I am, so I'll go ahead and let you start. Yeah, I don't. I mean, just just as I has have been digging into this, one candidate is really starting to stand out to me, and I I think this is going to be. Guess? Can I take a guess yeah. who you're going to say? Okay. Yeah, so I think it's going to be it's going to be a little bit of a contrarian uh, pick, let, but yeah, go let ahead. Me, let me go ahead and guess. So okay, so you really like numbers. <laughs> Um, you really like those numbers. I love this. Uh, and Stefanski is known as I believe I, I believe he's known as a numbers nerd a bit. Yeah. So yeah. Let, I'm gonna go ahead and take a wild guess to say that you're gonna take the guy whose resume looks more similar to Freddie Kitchens. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 
Well, I mean, I, I, it is Stefanski. I, I mean, as far as resume and okay, yeah, he's he's been an offensive coordinator for you know nineteen games, uh, and yeah. then you know, having he, he, last year he looked really similar to Freddie Kitchens. But I, I think as far as like just you know who they are as coaches, I think well, they're hold complete. on, hold on. I didn't I didn't bash the man. I didn't say he looked yeah. like Freddie Kitchens. I'm saying his resume side by side is yeah. is similar to Freddie. He might be a good coach. I don't want to start out <clears> act like I'm bashing yeah. him. Okay, but his resume very similar to Freddie Kitchens, is it not? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's yes, it is. Um, okay. But I, I, but I think even Freddie, right now, even right a, now, it is. I, I think Stefanski, you're right, is more of an analytics guy, and I think that's, uh, you know, I think that was the divide last year in that in the Cleveland's front office. I think DePodesto wanted Stefanski; he's an analytics guy. John Dorsey wanted Kitchens; he's a football guy. Ultimately, they went with Kitchens. Ultimately, that's why Dorsey got fired. So now you have Deep Podesta leading the head coaching search here. He was, you know, he really likes Stefanski last year. I think this is a, a really good, uh, a really good hire. The more I look into it, you know, he took over for um, as offensive coordinator in Minnesota in 2018 for John DeFilippo. Uh, he's been with Minnesota since 2006. He's coached multiple positions, and he's he survived three, like I believe, two or three different regime changes in Minnesota, which to me speaks volumes because now you've had two or three different head coaches, front office guys come in and say, okay, this guy's good enough. We want to keep him. Most times when, when they come in with a new front office, new head coach, they just clean house and I'm going to bring in all my guys. But the Stefanski is a guy that they, everybody, when they met him, they talked to him. They said, okay, we need to keep this guy in house. Uh, Mike Zimmer liked him so much that he actually blocked his interview request when Shermer went to new or into New York and said, no, you can't, you're not going with Shermer. I'm making you stay here under contract in Minnesota. So that's how much Mike Zimmer thinks about Stefanski. And I know I I really like Mike Zimmer and I think he's a great coach. So if he thinks that highly of Stefanski, I think he's a, I think he's a, a, a good coach. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, um, you know, his, his affiliation uh, with analytics. It, I, one thing I thought was interesting is, uh, Ed Stefanski, Kevin's father, is actually in basketball operations. He works in basketball operations for the Pistons. And he's all he was a former front office executive for the Nets, 76ers, Raptors, and the Grizzlies. So he's he's really tied into the NBA. Uh, his dad is. So there's there's that certainly runs in the family as far as um, head coaching and front office uh, work. One thing when I was reading through a bunch of articles, Stefanski, one thing that ca- he was just really described as organized, detail oriented, and well versed in roster building, which. It seems like the exact opposite of what we heard out of Freddie Kitchens. Um, so okay. I, I, and I mean, we talked about how Minnesota's been this year on offense. They, he's really turned around that offense. They're the sixth-ranked rushing attack, which I think bodes well for the uh, for Nick Chubb. I, I don't know if Kareem Hunt will be around next year, but certainly Nick Chubb. And he coached Kirk Cousins to one of his most efficient seasons. Well, hey, uh, hold on. Wait yeah. a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't get to do that. You don't get to say, well, he's really turned around the Vikings offense. Look how good they run. the." He's an analytics guy. Guess what he does? Runs the ball. Okay, first of all, that goes against every analytics thing I've ever been told, right? Analytics guys like to pass the ball. So the Vikings offense is six and rushing. What are they ranked in passing? Uh, I'm not sure exactly what they are overall efficiency, but Kirk Cousins is he has a 107.4 passer rating, which is fourth in the NFL, and he's got a 69% completion percentage, nice, which is also fourth in the NFL. Okay, I, I'm I'm gonna Google this real quick because I believe that they're in the lower half of the NFL in passing offense, right? So let's 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 give me give me one second here. Yep. Well, if, you, if you're looking at yardage, you're probably right because they did run the ball a lot and they had Dalvin Cook, which if you have Dalvin Cook or if you have Nick Chubb, you should run the ball. 
<clears throat> okay, but is the, doesn't analytics say to throw the ball? Isn't that what <laughs> analytics says? Well, if I if I'm Mac from it's always sunny, I'm going to tell you that you know <laughs> I'm science bitch and and analytics is wrong sometimes. Uh, okay, so <laughs> here's the, here's the deal. I I I think that. I think that everybody's going to an extreme. Yeah. I think that Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey made decisions basically on the feeling that their balls gave them when they woke up. Yep. That's not how you coach. I, I every you need analytics. Analytics needs to be a part of everyone's lives. I mean, even Bar- Bill Parcells had a checklist that he had for quarterbacks. Right, you had to start for three years. You had to be a team captain. Blah blah blah. The, that is kind of a, a basic level of analytics, right? It's something. <laughs> analytics is something to keep you in line to not make stupid decisions to put your pos- right. team in a better position. So I'm not poo pooing on analytics. I'm just saying I'm hearing this, these words an awful lot, and I'm not really understanding how he utilizes them or what the understanding like I, i'm just i'm not really getting why people are in love with them i mean or is the and is the vikings offense really that good we you just went on a 15 minute rant at the beginning of the pod about how the packers are the worst two seed you've ever seen you know who's not do you know who they won the division over in minnesota okay yeah, so okay <laughs> so so to recap we yeah. said the packers are the worst two seed we've ever seen uh, they have no defense, uh, and they beat the Vikings. They won the division over the Vikings, right? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So I just i i have a lot of i have a lot of questions about that. I just it doesn't. I I don't know. I just it, it feels like we're putting the cart before the horse on him. I think he could be a good coach. I think there's a lot of things that point to him being a good coach. But let's look at his resume. His last three jobs, offensive coordinator. Let's look at let's look at his last three jobs. Offensive coordinator for the Vikings in 2019. Interim offensive coordinator in 2018 after they fired a guy because the offense was terrible. The quarterback's coach in 2017 to 2018. Okay, well, who was he coaching? Oh, the high, NFL's highest paid quarterback? So it's not like he brought it's not like he took Taylor Heineke and made him a god, right? It's not, mm-hmm. I don't, I just I don't know if there's a really a whole lot there. Now I will say he had Case Keenum for one of those years, and Case Keenum was if you want to make a case, I think that Case Keenum being having the higher passer rating. Two years ago, that's a solid case, right? Because Case Keenum is pretty pretty terrible. I think that that's been proven. Um, yeah, they and they are they are in the bottom third in passing yards. I, I got I got the statistic yeah. off of Odds Shark, and I can't pull it up right now. Uh, but yeah, I did that would surprise me. Yeah, and, and just total passing yards because they're, they're, yeah, they're 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 going to be a team that ran the ball more often than than league average. So that doesn't surprise me. But it's like just pure efficiency. That I football outsiders has them as a top ten passing offense. In just efficiency, DVOA, and that and that's fine. I'm not saying that they're bad. I, I I'm not. I want to preface this. I am not bashing on Kevin Stefanski. I'm not at all. But here, here's this is these are all the things that people say. Well, look at how good they run the ball. Okay. Well, let's look at how good they pass the ball. Oh well, if I pick these three stats that show that he's really good. Oh well, Jameis Winston had 30 touchdowns. Jameis Winston had 30 touchdowns. Yeah. Well, he also had 30 interceptions. <laughs> no, 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 no. Josh, you're not listening. <laughs> Jameis Winston had 30 touchdowns. Oh, okay. That's like I feel like that's kind of what people want me to do with Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we just and I, I wouldn't be as nearly as hateful on him, but we just hired Freddie Kitchens, who was what? Oh, offensive coordinator for four games. Do you yeah. know what I mean? We looked at his resume <laughs> was an index card, basically, and you're kind of dealing with the same thing with Kevin Stefanski. You're telling me about how good he is, and you have to include the fact that his father works for the Pistons. No, I'm like, not I'm not saying that's a reason why he's good. I just think it's that's interesting more than anything else that, you know, 
it, it kind of that kind of that level of um, sports management runs in the family. If that if that makes your top ten list of things to talk about, Kevin Stefanski, <laughs> I I say pass. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Does that make sense? So what do you, what do you what do you what's so special about Josh McDaniels? There, first of all, let me preface this by saying I hate Josh McDaniels as a human being. <laughs> okay, and I do think I honestly do think if you would have talked to if you would have asked Josh last year. About Josh McDaniels, I would said, dude, no. Josh McDaniels is a psycho. He's not going to – look at the Bill Belichick tree. Look at how pathetic the Bill Belichick tree is. From I, I have that written out here in my notes. And, and, and I let me – I don't have it. Please, please tell me. Uh, you know, my, my – we were asked specifically Stefanski versus McDaniels. Yes. So between the two, I prefer Stefanski by a good, good amount. We – for one, you know, one of the reasons we'll, we'll get into McDaniels – uh, the Belichick coaching tree is not any good. I mean, not very good. And, and there's there's been some speculation as to why that's the case, and we can talk about that here in a minute. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if I believe it. But Bill we'll, Belichick's a god. Bill Belichick's a god, and everybody keeps hoping to get some of that god dust, and it just doesn't right. I guess what the kind of the reasoning why his coaching tree hasn't been very successful, from what I've heard, is I've heard people talk about how, you know, Bill Belichick's not going to go in and tell his assistant coaches exactly how to run the most successful NFL franchise in the past 20 years. He's not going to go in there and give you the blueprint to do that so that when they leave, he can now do that somewhere else and beat you. So what I've heard is that Bill Belichick has that, that program or that franchise so siloed that Josh McDaniel has only knows about what's going on the offensive side of the ball and has no clue what else Bill Belichick is doing behind the scenes to make that pro or that, that franchise so successful. Can I, can I interrupt you for just a second about the, the, the first, the first point, right? Well, I don't think there is a blueprint. There is no blueprint. I I think that you're right. I I don't think that Bill Belichick is hiding things. I don't think he's like a dick or anything, but I, I, I think that he's good, right? Huh? Makes sense. Right. Like that logic makes sense. I, I think that he is so smart and he's so brilliant when it comes to football that when he's describing something, people think that they can do it. Like, oh, this isn't that bad. I can do this. I, I can do Matt Patricia. I can go in there and flip the Lions. All I got to be is a dick, wear a hoodie, and I can do this. No, there's le- there's levels to this shit. There's a, there's a way to do things. I mean, that's just how it is. He's a god, right? Like if, if yep. I – if you come in and you, you you watch me do my job as an insurance with <laughs> as an insurance adjuster, if I if I showed you how to do it, I've been doing it long enough to where I can really walk you through it and you can feel pretty confident to do it. And then you go and you sit in the chair and then you go, oh no, I just shit my pants. Right. It's, you know what I mean? Someone's calling you because their house burnt down to the ground and it's not so fun, right? I think that that's part of the problem. Belichick is a god, so he. He can even if he could make a blueprint, that blueprint isn't going to tell you everything, all the subtle nuances and how. I mean, his attitude and the way the way he his brain works is just. I think it's far superior than you know a lot of people than Charlie Weiss can comprehend. Yep. All right. So here here's the coaching tree that I just one of the ones I've I've kind of looked through. Al Gro, New York Jets, two thousand. He went nine and seven. Yeah, he just he actually just got fired from. Uh, Officer corner of the Eagles today was that right? No, no, not the Eagles. I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember where he was at. Okay, fired. Okay, cool. So next one, Browns fans should be familiar. Romeo Cornell, coached in Cleveland from 2005 to 2008. Kansas City from 11 2011 2012. His record is 28 and 55. Next one we have to kind of take with a grain of salt because he's probably the best college football coach of all time, and Nick Saban. But 
when he coached in the NFL in Miami from 2005 to 2006, he was only 15 and 17. Another uh, Browns fan favorite, Eric Mangini. He coached in. He coached for New York Jets from 2006 that's, to 2008. That's and, man genius to you. That's Eric man genius <laughs> to you. And and he coached in Cleveland 2009-2010. His record is 33 and 47. You have Jim Schwartz, who for some reason is being considered for this job. Uh, no clue why. This does that. I, that, that makes I think no he's sense. a good coach. I, think I don't. He's a good coach. I think he's transferring the Philadelphia defense. They were okay. dead last when he took over. He's done well with that Philadelphia defense, but we we've seen him coach. He's had a head coach. He had a head coaching job in the NFL with Detroit for four or five years, and he went twenty nine and fifty one. Right. All right, now now let's talk about Josh Daniels and what he did in Denver. He went eleven for eleven and seventeen. Not very good. The best coach that came out of Bill Belichick's coaching tree, who I hate, you love Bill O'Brien. <laughs> I don't love him, you <laughs> He's he's fifty two and forty four. So about the the most mediocre coach. He's he's almost like Marvin Lewis. Fifty two and forty four. Next up, Matt Patricia. He's at Detroit now. Currently, he's nine twenty two and one. And then I, I actually really like Mike Vrabel. He's eighteen and fourteen right now, and he looks like he's got that Tennessee team playing really well. Okay, so th- these are all good points, and these are real fears, right? Just like if you go draft a Penn State running back. <laughs> visions of Kajana Carter run through your head, right? right. These are, yep. or if you go to draft a USC wide receiver, visions of Dwayne Jarrett and Steve Smith and uh, you know Mike Williams run through your head. These are all re- these are reasonable fears. These are all reasonable trends. But if we were bet gambling on a game, and you told me, hey, Ohio State's gone zero and twenty in the Outback Bowl or whatever, and it was twenty different head coaches, twenty different teams, you would say. I, I would say you're an idiot, and you would say that too. You'd say that's not a handicap. Yeah. That, that every every situation is different, right? So you yeah. can't base Josh McDaniel's future. Although, again, everything you're saying is valid. You're you're hit. You're giving him a negative because of guys that sucked before him. Yeah, no, and I just no. I guess I just don't understand how the the best coach in well, NFL hold history. Hold could, on, I I I don't want to I don't want to because you you did make a good point. I didn't want to dismiss it completely. Yeah. Josh McDaniels did have a shot in Denver, and he sucked. Okay, yeah. but let's dissect why he sucked. He went in there immediately, got rid of their two best players in Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall. Right, Tim Tebow, baby. Yeah, he went in there at thirty three years old. And thought he was Bill Belichick and said, it's my way or the highway. Let's go get the guy that works really hard and Tim Tebow. And let's go draft a wide receiver from a triple option offense that runs fast <laughs> and Demarius Thomas. And one of those guys worked out and one of those guys did not work out. He flipped that franchise upside down because he because he didn't he wanted to be Bill Belichick. Yeah. I and I don't I don't understand what happened last year with the Colts job. That makes me a little uneasy too. I don't I don't understand why he would um, you know, not maybe not formally accept the job, but he was he was he was hiring assistant coaches. Um, he he had he had assistant coaches lined up to take that Colts job, and then at the last second he pulls out. That doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand that. No, and, and I, know you, I know you mentioned you mentioned retread coaches, and I think there's I think I think there's a short list of of recycled head coaches that have done well, really really well. You mentioned Belichick, Pete Carroll. Uh, you know, you got to add in Tony Dungy and maybe Tom Coughlin, and I'm sure there are a few others. But I, I, and I don't have all the data on this, but I would think like the majority of these recycled head coaches aren't successful the second time around. I, again, there's a few that turn out to be really good, and maybe I want, that's you the case me, I want you to show me that because I, I disagree. 
You think most you recycled head coaches are good? No, no, no. I didn't say that. I'm just saying that if you looked at it, I think that most coaches are recycled. I think if you looked at who's good and who's not good, but if you want to, okay, I would bet that 50% of all retread coaches have over a 500 record. You did, that, that would be my bet. Okay. I I tried to look it up a little bit today. I, I just didn't have enough time to really do like the in-depth research. But again, there are a few that, that stand out as really good coaches, but I don't, for whatever reason, it just, I just, I don't know. It just, it scares me off a little bit. And maybe maybe that's maybe that's uh, a fault in the way I'm thinking about it, but I don't know. I can't. Yeah. And then you you talked about you talked about Stefanski making it through multiple coaching staffs, whatever. Remember, McDaniel's is the highest paid offensive coordinator. Bill Belichick, who is uh, as we said, was a god, likes him so much. He made him the highest paid offensive coordinator. He's been that's there for true. six, all six of the Patriots Super Bowls. He's been there. Yeah, when he got hired as a head coach, he was the youngest, right? I would hope that if I got hired. As a, as the youngest head coach in the, in the NFL, that if you talk to me ten years later, I could identify what I did wrong. Here's what scares me about Josh McDaniels, and here's why I don't really care if the Browns hire him. I think that he's good if he wants full control. If he wants to be Bill Belichick again and do exactly what he did in Denver, then he didn't learn his lesson because that's what I think that's what cost him in Denver. That was one of the most embarrassing coach incidents in NFL history because he went in there and he tra- just tried to rip it up from the ground up, and it, that's you can't do that. There's th- there's only a couple people in NFL history, Bill Belichick included, that can take on all that responsibility. If he tries to do that again, that's a bad sign that he didn't learn from his first time, that he didn't learn from his first lesson. But I don't – I think, again, I don't like – it's not like I'm in love with either candidate, but I don't think you can objectively look at one resume over the other and not pick McDaniels. If I gave you the blind Pepsi contest, yeah. you would pick – you would take a sip of the McDaniels thing. I don't know, man. Yeah, I I tried to. I I tried to like kind of list the reasons why I'm I'm like kind of pulled towards Stefanski, and and maybe those aren't maybe those aren't enough to convince other people. But every when I just look through, when I read about each coach, like I me personally, I really like Stefanski, and I I like him a significantly amount or a significant amount more than Josh McDaniels. I, I think that the negatives in McDaniel's pile are so big and so glaring yeah. that that's what makes Stefanski look good. I think that Stefanski doesn't have any negatives because his resume is so small. Yeah. I think that's part of the problem. And I, But to me, I don't want that. I just had that. I just had a yeah. guy who was a player's coach, who was a first-time. I don't right. I don't want to – I don't want another first-timer. I want someone I, – I want – to hope I that McDaniels yeah. has grown from his mistakes because if that was the only issue, we know the guy can call an offense. We know he can. He's been making six foot white wide receivers look good since 2000. Yeah. And I would have, I would, to just so I'm clear, um, I would have been happy with Mike McCarthy. I would have been happy with Ron Rivera because both those guys had proven that they've won in the past. McDaniels. Had, hasn't won. Well, you know, I mean, he went. What he started like six and zero in Denver, and then he lost. Then he went two and eight to, to finish the year. And he won a playoff game against Pittsburgh, where they had that Tim, Tim Tebow hit that um, that crossing route in overtime. I think it was to, to Demarius Thomas for a touchdown. I mean, so I mean that's the most success he's had. But uh, but he got fired halfway through the second his second season. Yes. Yeah. Now I will say I think Rivera is a joke. I think Mike McCarthy. I think he's a good coach. I think Rivera. Rivera had one good year in Carolina. Rivera was in Carolina forever, forever, and he had one good year. And it's when it's when Cam Newton won the MVP because Cam Newton, it was ungodly. Dude. Yeah. The same reason why Auburn won the national championship when he was there. 
He has Superman-like powers, and that Ron, <laughs> Ron Rivera was lucky enough to be the recipient of that. I do, I do not think he's going to do shit in Washington. And I stand by that. Mike McCarthy, though, I think that that's a guy who's probably learned from his mistakes. I think that he, I think that he was good with the Packers. I know Aaron Rodgers. You can make the same argument with him as I just did with Cam Newton, but I don't think that was it. I think Mike McCarthy did have something to do with it. I don't. I. 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 I and he won it. He did win the yeah. Super Bowl. Ron Rivera did yep. not. Ron Rivera got right. smashed when when Cam Mike McCarthy was in the, he got smashed. Yeah, Mike McCarthy, for whatever, you know, he see, he just didn't seem to get along with Aaron Rodgers. There was obviously some friction between those two in that relationship. And and you know, as you know, as time goes on, you got Matt LaFleur in there now in Green Bay. It's almost kind of starting the common denominator with those uh strained relationships is Aaron Rodgers. So maybe it's Aaron Rodgers is is kind of the problem there. Mike McCarthy's walking into probably the best situation in, in the NFL with that roster. I think he's got a he he's I mean He's going to have a chance to compete for a Super Bowl next year, I think. That, that's that's absolutely possible, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is surprising that the dude who never talks to his family could cause rifts with us, <laughs> right. with, with his yeah. boss. But, about that, dude. Nobody likes him. Yeah, well, I, yeah, one of the great mysteries of the universe. But yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that I like McDaniel's. I'm not saying that I like Stefanski. I'm just saying it. Who would you, like if you if you're the GM or you're if you're Jimmy Haslam, who who are you hiring? I think I'm hiring Josh McDaniels, and I hate to say it, but uh, like out of his, resume, his resume is just too good. It's just I don't know how you his look at that resume. Resume is too good, huh? Yeah, I mean he's he's been good as an offensive coordinator, but he's also had probably yeah. I know I know you're not going to agree with this, but he's probably had one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history, in Tom Brady. I know you don't like Tom Brady. Well, no, I know I, I, it's, not, I don't, it's not the it's not that I don't like Tom Brady. I just don't you think we give okay, okay, let's let's break this down. When Tom <laughs> when Tom Brady got hurt and the New yeah. England Patriots had a backup quarterback from USC starting, how many game how many games did they win? Ten games. They won eleven they won eleven, 11? Games. They they won missed 11 games. Yeah, they missed they won eleven games though. And then Matt Castle yeah. went to seven other teams and now he's washing cars <laughs> somewhere. Like he should be, right? <laughs> When when Tom Brady went down two years ago, yeah. who 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 won who won two games? What were the two? What were the Brissett? two quarterbacks? Jacoby Brissett and who? Um, Brian Hoyer, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, right? And Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. actually had some physical talent. You want to know why? Because Tom Brady got scared and made them trade Jimmy Garoppolo to the Niners. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then for, for two years, the first year Jimmy Garoppolo was in San Francisco, everybody thought he was a bust. Right, he won he, his first two games. He dropped out of a football womb and won two games in New England. Then Jacoby Brissett did the same thing. Jacoby Brissett won two games in New England. Now the Colts won a, the Colts won out of Indianapolis. Come on, man! You win eleven games with a backup quarterback, and you want to? I'm not saying that Tom Brady's bad, but like, why does he get all the? Why are we sitting here talking about Josh McDaniel sucking, <laughs> even though he had Tim Tebow in the playoffs? But we don't, I, you give, know, him, I we actually, don't give him I actually, credit with, with Tom Brady. We don't give him yeah. credit for Julian Edelman. You want to tell me Julian Edelman's great too? You want to tell me he's yeah. just as good as Calvin Johnson because of his stats? <laughs> no, he's six foot and he's white. Okay, yeah. and he's he, you know he played quarterback in college. And he's I, come on, that guy. You tell me, yeah. you tell me Jimmy You tell me Julian Edelman's with the Browns. He's the same person. No, why doesn't Josh McDaniels <laughs> get some of that credit? Yeah, you know what I mean. You know, I actually, I actually tend to agree with you a little bit about your on your Tom Brady stance. Uh, but I'm just saying, yeah, I, I like to get you going. Oh, I mean, yeah, and we talked about Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, I mean, in all intents and purposes, if you break it down by money, he should be the he should be the most talented, right? Because he's like the second highest paid. Yeah. So is he making him? I'm just saying, like, I I just don't know how you look at those his resume. I don't want to hire him. I think there's a very I think there's a very good chance 
that that guy has some kind of ego issue. He thinks he's Bill Belichick, and he cuts every single dude on the Browns roster. There's a good chance of that, just like he did in Denver. But so, I, don't how, I don't know how you look at his resume and say no. You would hire him over all the head coaches available, Jim Schwartz, Greg Roman, even some of the college coaches, Urban Meyer, Lincoln Riley. I don't know how you look – well, Matt, remember, Matt Rule's gone. Yeah. Matt Rule, Matt Rule, Mike McCarthy are gone. So I took those off the board. Those guys would probably have been my higher choices. But I don't know how you look at McDaniel's. Probably not, honestly. I don't know. I just don't know how you look at McDaniel's resume. And you don't think, well, let's yeah. give it another shot. Yeah, you know what? And I, I, if I had to put money on, it, I think McDaniel's will be the choice. I would just, my personally, I would go with Stefanski. And I, dude, and there's a, there is a good chance McDaniel sucks. Because, yeah. like you said, Bill Belichick is is. You never know. You don't know what that guy's doing. He's like Darth Vader. You have no idea. He's he's like Darth Vader in the wind. He's everywhere and he's nowhere and he's evil. You never yeah, know. Just, I, like I said, it just doesn't make sense that we can we we talked about what nine different coaches that that came from underneath Bill Belichick and none of them really kind of stood out. You know what are the odds of that? I mean, if if you talk about like I don't know what are the odds that anyone's going to be a great head coach, but then you have nine come from one under from from underneath the 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 best football coach in NFL history and none of them are any good. Like that just doesn't make any sense to me. It almost feels like there's got to be a reason as to why. Uh, and it, it, like I said, I think that, I think that's, the, I think people, I think the people that work with him look around and they think it's easy. They, they see him and he's not, it doesn't look like he's doing anything. It doesn't look like he's doing anything different, but it's all the subtle things. It's all the, the, it's the mind games that he can do that no one else can do. And his in game decisions, he's just a genius. Bill Belichick is a genius. That's just how it goes. Yeah, and I mean, he I mean, he took the Browns to the playoffs with Vinny Testaverde, dude. I mean, he, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think yeah. Vinny Testaverde could read. <laughs> I, I don't think he could, and he took him to the playoffs, dude. I just—he's a god. That's just how it goes. Yeah, but whatever. We've been we've been talking long enough. We'll, I, I, the supposedly the Browns gonna be hiring a coach by the end of this weekend. So Saturday, we'll answer, saying. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be able to break it down. But let's go ahead and cut this because I'm gonna have to spend all night editing and try to. Splice these two pods together because uh, your headphones never work. Yeah, but, my but, headphones don't work. I got kids that mess everything. I apologize, dude. Dude, you suck, man. If it wasn't for your <laughs> goddamn gambling advice. I'm sure I'm so but oh, all right, uh, you can follow me at Josh Keatley 16. I'll be doing some East-West Shrine Game stuff uh, this weekend if I have some time. Adam, where can they follow you at? You can find me uh, on Twitter, more, M-O-O-R-E, 2102. Uh, you'll find me just kind of doing not a whole lot just retweeting whatever i find funny and just being anything a else interesting yeah just being, a, yeah. being a good father right <laughs> don't don't follow me for anything interesting come follow me for crude humor we're out see you buddy